Hey, how you doing, listeners? Adam Buxton here. A slightly unusual start to the podcast this week. You might be able to hear that I am not in my usual uh, farm track, but in a park just outside Norwich with Rosie. It's a special treat. Hello. You okay? Oh, yeah, fine. Just out walking the dog and unbelievably lost the ruddy thing. Oh, dear. So you've seen her, have you? What kind of dog is it? A beige one. Yeah, a beige bitch. Bev, no second name. Yeah. Don't think I have seen a dog like that. It's, it's Adam, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Alan. Hello, I thought I recognised you. You're Alan Partridge, right? Yes, yes. I used to watch your chat show a long time ago. Thank you. Are you yeah. still doing stuff these days? <laughs> it always makes me laugh, Adam, when people say, you're still, you're still doing stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've done lots of stuff. Lots of stuff that people notice. A high pickup with lots of traction. Uh, which I know makes me sound like a monster truck. Um, c- congrats on your career, too. Thank you. Yeah. Do you know what? It goes to show, doesn't it? You just never underestimate anyone. You know, I say to people, you know, look at Adam, second name. Buxton. Buxton. Yeah. And apparently you make a living from this podcast. Yep. Sponsors. Oh, God. You, do you get good people on? Paul McCartney. Heard of him? Really? Yeah. He was on. Paul McCartney. Um, wow. We had Kazuo Ishiguro and... Uh, Ramesh Ranganathan, Gary Young, the writer, Ian McEwan as well. Paul McCartney. Wow. So he's obviously up for doing podcasts. I suppose. It took us a while to pin him down, but... Anyway, I should... Yeah, I knew you uh, lived in Norfolk, because the chap that does my garden used to do yours, but... uh, he says you wouldn't let him inside to use the toilet. He used to wee in the hedge, FYI. Okay. Mm. And now, you emailed, didn't you? I think my producer said... Yeah. ...wanting to advertise your podcast or something. Oh, I wouldn't worry about well, that. Well, it's just not normally the kind of thing we do is probably why we didn't get no, it's that. It's a series three um, from the Oast House, the Alan Partridge podcast. I think it's 11 episodes, all available now on Audible. Um, but, yeah, no, forget that. I mean... Although, if you ever want us to come on my podcast and uh, plug yours more than working, we're not meant to advertise, but uh, there are always ways around it. Yeah, like coming out to a park and pretending you've lost your dog. <laughs> you wouldn't do that. <laughs> do you even own a dog? I've owned lots of dogs, mate. Yeah, but do you have one now? Well, defi- define own. Possess or have. Define dog. I mean, where is this even going? Well, it's just funny that you emailed and then... You're here in the park while I'm recording, talking about an invisible dog. Ah, there she is. Hello, girl. Oh, I'd lost you. What colour would you say that is, Adam? Yeah, beige. Beige, precisely. Yeah. Quick look at the groin. She's a... Bitch. Beige bitch, exactly as described. Sorry, oh, I didn't mean to... Nah, it's, no, it's absolutely fine, Adam. Couldn't, couldn't care less, Adam. Anyway, well, nice to meet you, Alan. not a liar, Adam. Yeah. Well, no, we must sort numbers sometime. Bye, Alan. I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Hey, how are you doing, podcats? Adam Buxton here. I was just doing some uh, very naturalistic acting back there. I don't know if you noticed. With Alan Partridge, no less. 
was a kind of hybrid advertorial sitcom that we created for you there. No, that's all right. You're welcome. As I was saying to Alan, I don't often do adverts in the main body of the podcast, but I thought, come on, it's Partridge. And it's a very funny podcast. So win-win. But how are you doing, podcasts? It's been ages. I've missed you. I hope you've had a decent summer. Rosie, come on. <laughs> She's loping. A lope past from the hairy bullet. That's all we get these days, if we're lucky. It takes a great deal to convince Rosie to join me for a walk nowadays. If it weren't for her comfy padded harness, I don't think I would be able to get her out of the house at all. What the harness enables me to do is to attach the lead and encourage her forward in a way that is fairly insistent but doesn't get all strangly. It's comfortable for her. And then once we get up the track, I can take the lead off on a night like tonight where there's no one around. And uh, then she's a bit more lopey. But look, I'm going to catch up with you a bit more at the end of the podcast. Right now, allow me to tell you a bit about today's conversational ramble with one of the podcast's most valued friends, Natasha Charlotte Dimitriou. Tash Facts. Tash was born in 1987 and grew up in North London the daughter of an English mother and a Greek Cypriot father. Her younger brother is the actor and comedian Jamie Dimitriou. You know Tash from TV shows like Stathlet's Flats, where she plays Stath's sister Sophie. And Ellie White, Tash's comedy partner, plays her friend Katia. Tash and Ellie also have their own sketch show called Ellie and Natasha. A second series was recently commissioned and due to appear on BBC Two sometime in the future. We don't know when. The first series was on in 2021. Enjoyed it very much indeed. You may have also seen Tash in What We Do in the Shadows. Since 2019, she has played Nadia, a Greek Romany vampire, in the FX horror comedy created by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi. So today's conversation with Tash was recorded face-to-face earlier this year, March 2023, and we did this one in London. We met up because I had asked Tash if she would do a voice for another thing I was working on, and when we had done it, I left the recorder running with Tash's knowledge, not covertly, you understand, and we chatted a little bit more. And We had been talking before we were recording about how many apocalyptic TV shows there are nowadays. And that got us on to talking about a couple of shows that I watched this year with my family. Station Eleven, about the survivors of a devastating flu attempting to rebuild and reimagine the world. (laughs) Sound familiar? Okay. And... uh, Also, the TV adaptation of The Last of Us, the 2013 video game in which Joel, a smuggler, is tasked with escorting a teenage girl, Ellie, across the United States in the years following the emergence of another pandemic, this time one in which humans 
infected by a mutated fungus are turned into vicious cannibalistic creatures that become more fungusy the longer they survive. That's a fair description of me, actually, as well. I don't think there are spoilers for those shows in this conversation. There are spoilers for the 2011 film Contagion, just so you're aware. Anyway, the result was quite a lot of stupid mushroom chat, but towards the end of the conversation, things got more emotional when I asked how Tash's dad was doing. If you've heard Tash on this podcast before, then you will have enjoyed her hilarious stories about her pa. But the last time she was on, which was July 2022, I think, she talked about how her dad and his family have been dealing in the last few years with the onset of his dementia, specifically Alzheimer's disease. And this is something, of course, that is affecting more and more of us one way or another. If you're one of those people and feel that you could use some help or advice, there are details of Dementia UK's free helpline and their email address in the description of today's podcast. It's always great to see Tash and it always involves a lot of laughter, but this conversation was more than usually emotional, I guess. But I hope you'll come with us and rejoin me afterwards for a bit more waffle and maybe I will play you and this is not a joke, the Square Pusher collab that I did earlier this year. Actual Square Pusher collaboration, sort of. Anyway, stay tuned for that. But right now, with Tash Dimitriou, here we go. Station Eleven. I don't. What is that? It's about the end of the world, Tash. <laughs> it was made in. It's a book that came out in 2014, around then, and it's about a flu pandemic that wipes out most of the world's population. Are you talking about The Last of Us? No, that's a uh, mushroom Fungal pandemic. Infection. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I didn't know it was my greatest fear, but it is my greatest fear now. Being taken over by mushrooms. Just loads of disgusting mushrooms. Just being like, I want to kiss you with my mushroom. <laughs> it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I couldn't believe it. I never knew that's what I was scared of, but I'm petrified of fungus. It's horrible. You've seen it. It's absolutely the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I could believe it. <sighs> It's just a load of mushrooms that want you to be mushrooms. Like, at least with the flu, you don't... It's not like the cold wants you to become the flu. It just wants you to get ill and die. But the mushroom wants you to be a mushroom. (laughs) (laughs) I feel the same way as you do about them. I think that's why the show has done so well. I think people really have a visceral response to mushrooms and the idea that your body would be taken over by them because you know obviously 
you can grow fungus on a human body, right? <laughs> you yes, can you get can. Fungal I infections. I know. I've got one on my toe, and it won't go. And that's why maybe I have this thing that I have tried. I like beyond dipping my toe in battery acid, which I found on some Reddit post that said that's what gets rid of it. I have tried everything, and every morning it's like I'm back. And then you go and get your toes done, and they're like, oh no, <laughs> very bad. It's very bad. You're Are you wearing of- the wrong shoes or something? No, it's because I did hot yoga for a while. And I think <laughs> hot yoga is just essentially, it's like a money laundering front. But it's actually, they're just fungus farmers. And they're just harvesting fungus from people doing hot yoga. And then I caught, you know, it was the lab leak theory. I caught the fungus from, from yoga and it won't go. And oh, yeah, it's been dear. a few years. But yeah, I live in, I live in, also garlic. When people are like, mmm, breaded garlic butter mushrooms, pop one in my mouth. <laughs> You're like, it's fungus. I agree with you. So you don't like mushrooms? No. No, no, neither do I. And people look at me like, well, the thing is, I am a picky eater. I don't like cheese. I don't like any, but that's... that's, But that's also mold, so I kind of get it. I do understand, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? It's all about spores and mold and... Well, it's just like the feces of life, the feces of nature. (laughs) You don't fancy scraping it up and being like... Mmm, lovely blob of cheese and mushroom and toast. That's the thing. It's all weird, jammy no, it's like... stink. And then mushroom is just spongy nothing. Sorry, when you're getting a pig to sniff it out and then be like, blah, 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 lovely. <laughs> truffle, mm, lovely truffle pig snuffing it out for me, lovely. You're like, you've gone insane. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? That's the the only animal that is able to locate this beautiful, exquisite delicacy. Is a pig. (laughs) And then they keep it in like, they keep it in like a box with hay. Like a weird, like, dead hamster. And then they present it to you. Would you like some? No, a pig found it. (laughs) The only one that's more... Of a delicacy is found only beneath the shit of a dog. <laughs> Have you ever tried a truffle? I mean, I'm guessing the answer is no. No, I've had it on stuff and I've tried a truffle crisp. But every time I'm like, oh my God, something's dropped on this. This fell on the floor and they've scraped it up and put it back in the plate. <laughs> it's like, it's a headache and a taste. It's like a migraine. So if you have a really good connection with your nose and you're like, someone who's like, mm, my palate, then maybe you'll like it. But I've... I don't identify with my palate. <laughs> I identify well, with my teeth. <laughs> so did you watch The Last of Us? Yeah. I haven't watched the last episode, though, so please don't tell me. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Have you heard anything about the last episode? I've heard it's really good because I, I, uh, it was a real roller coaster. It was like first two episodes. Wow, 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 wow. He's kissing her with a mushroom coming out of his mouth. <laughs> Jesus wept. And then I feel like there were people who were like... And there was one that was a bit boring. And then there was a really sad one with Ron Swanson, which was really beautiful and kind of like its own. The two episode. guys. Yeah. Yeah, that was With Murray from White Lotus. And it was like its own kind of little mini film. Yeah, it was and beautiful. It was really beautiful. And also made me want to be a prepper so hard. 
<laughs> oh, oh, to be that organised. Do you know what I mean, though? <laughs> I, know. I know, it was so great, wasn't it? He's absolutely on top of it. But they gloss over the fact that generally the political profile of someone who's that organised is not really so cosy. But that's why I liked it, because we're like, you know, it takes all sorts, doesn't it? It yes. takes all sorts. And um turns out being that, being a little bit, you know, he was obviously in this show in this world in that version of the last of us the conspiracy theorist would have been right yeah because you know if anyone was i mean i don't even know if anyone was saying that in that world but whoever was going i'm telling you these mushrooms going to take over (laughs) and the people like oh shut up it's like well you've improved right because now you're a mushroom yeah that was a very reductive characterization of a uh, conspiracy theorist that you just indulged in okay um let me try and do it like Dude, I'm go. pretty sure, like, it's getting pretty hot around here. Silicon that Valley. Mushroom, the mushroom's getting bigger. That's more realistic, I think. Like a Silicon Valley prepper, probably they're microdosing. They're getting paranoid visions while they're on mushrooms anyway. Because that's the other part of the mushroom world, of course, is your psychedelics. I know. I don't... Have you ever done that? No. I'm too imaginative without the stuff, Adam. I'm too scared of where <laughs> the places I'll go. It scares me so much. And also I have some ex-friends and boyfriends who did do psychedelics and said to me with like the straightest face, yeah, John Lennon came back and told me that I was the missing link from the Beatles. <laughs> okay. And right. I'm like, <laughs> we just had sex. <laughs> Your brain is bad. Your brain is bad. If I'd known you thought that, I wouldn't have done that for that radio. <laughs> and they were absolutely swearing it to you. Yeah, just people who are like, you know, they say it with that sort of, you know, that almost like, you know, evangelical, like, you know, mm-hmm. in a mad, someone who's convinced of something. They weren't saying, you know, I mean, obviously I was high, but. No, they're like. It's like, I think the community that love those sorts of things, you know, they talk about ayahuasca like she took me, as in like, you know, they give a, they give a kind of... She's got a personality. A personality and like agency to the experience. <clears throat> and so I feel like it isn't, it isn't like, you know, I was fucking gacked off my nut and I, uh, I did loads of shots. It's not, <laughs> Who's that guy? <laughs> All of my friends. Um, no, you know, like, it's not that where it's just like, oh, I, I, you know, we, we got really high and watched Blades of Glory. Yeah. And it was so funny and I was laughing so much because I'd smoked loads of weed. It's more like... They're expanding their consciousness. And I'm saying that in, in a non-ironical way. I have great respect for people who do... I mean, I would love to do that, but I'm the same as you. I'm too frightened. You got too much of an incredible mind, Too much of an incredible mind. I do think I am like, if it helps people, and I've like heard little bits of information that it can help. Definitely, I think it can help people. With depression and stuff. And and PTSD. I'm like, oh, well, that's fantastic. What about under carefully controlled circumstances? If you've got super doctors there, you know, because people like you and I, we've got hangups, right? Oh, for sure. What if we were able to get in touch with some of the things that we're hung up about to get a different perspective on those things, love ourselves a little bit more? I'm really, I'm, I'm of the, I'm of the, I've always been the sort of, I don't need to love, I, I think love, love, 
I think I, I'm always like you. You're 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 a piece of shit. <laughs> you're a piece of shit. You don't know anything. Always assume you're wrong, but because that is what life has shown me. Like if there's a chair that's slightly broken, I will sit on it, <laughs> and I will take it down and ruin the party. Like if there's if there's a floor to be here, I will smash my nose into it. Like if it's so, it's like as much as my lived experiences assume the worst and then you can only ever be pleased right so no psychedelic experiences at all for no t, t dimitriou no absolutely no i just i just i'm so scared i'm so scared like i just know also i would become so annoying and be such a burden on everyone yeah but to return <laughs> to i think where we started uh the last of us you know there's going to be a second series have you played the video game obviously not. no i haven't but i do know it was a video game and i know that i i, I actually really i thought it was quite juicy i don't i think they kind of dropped it maybe for the rest of the series but that first episode the way it was filmed kind of felt like a video game a bit like the way it was kind of you're seeing it from the pov of the in the corridors and stuff and and like in the car when he's like driving and you can kind of see i don't know i thought that was kind of a i think that's just filming things <laughs> well in my head i was like wow the director's really talking to no one in my house wow the director's really taken on board the video game um origins of First this person piece. shooter camera and i'm really i'm feeling like i'm playing the game and i don't have a console in my hand i've got a remote wow my daughter is 14 hmm. and even though she's not a massive gamer like she, she plays some video games mm. but she's not on there all the time because she's too busy going, scrolly, scrolly, heart, heart, scrolly, scrolly, oh, scrolly, no. heart, scrolly, heart, can you not, scrolly, scrolly, Can you not scrolly. stop her? Yeah, she's not that bad. Oh, good. Oh, good. She's okay. not that bad. She's fine. But um, she knows what's going to happen in The Last of Us because she has watched friends playing it. And she said to me the other day, because we were talking about the final episode. Mm, mm. Obviously, we're not going to do spoilers here. But... There's a lot to think about and talk about after you've seen the finale of the first season of or series of The Last of Us. Okay. And we were having that conversation and um, and I was like, well, what the hell's going to happen in the second series then? And she's like, well, do you want to know? And I said, you shouldn't even, that's not even cool to ask me if yeah, I want to know. No. And I said, you should be cancelled. I'm cancelling you. Yeah, you've got to do, people got to do question. more counselling within their family. Yeah. So I'm counselling my daughter because she, I said, it's not cool to even ask that question, especially to a dickhead. Yeah. Because I'm going to say, yes, okay. Yeah. And that's what I said. Yeah. So then she told me the whole of the second How does she know that the film season. isn't going to, like the directors or writers aren't going to take a little bit of their own She doesn't, agency. but so far they've stuck very closely to it. Oh, they, because, so, I mean, I, this is such a boring question. I thought with video games, you decide how it ends by how much of a good player you are yeah, or not. I th I, my understanding is that that's what's very clever about the game is that you, you get put into a kind of zero-sum, unwinnable scenario. And that's what is reflected in the TV show. Uh oh. Okay, I just, okay, so this is still attached to the bit. It's a bit of a tangent. So this, there was some bloopers of... The Last of Us on YouTube. I'm basically doing what you do in, in Bug, but I just remembered, I literally remembered someone sent me this the other day. So there's some some outtakes of The Last of Us on YouTube and a comment underneath it, which is one of the best comments I've ever seen, is this. 
Pedro is a bad actor. Bloopers should never happen. As an actor, it's your job to always have the best performance. When working on my own short film, if one of my actors would play up, I would deduct some of their pay. Shoots are expensive and I don't want you to waste that money by laughing around. The fact that he was paid 100k is more disgusting. Actors, it's your job to act and be tip-top mint condition. Personally, if I was Craig Mazin or any showrunner producer, I would immediately talk with Pedro and Bella about the inappropriate misconduct. Mistakes do happen, but after the first take, there's no second chances. There should be some immediate consequences for the actors. <laughs> Laugh and critique me all you want, but I'm here to film, not watch you gig on Take It Unprofessional. Honestly, ashamed that this woke modern age thinks this is acceptable. Holy Moses. Do we know if they've produced any actual films? Well, clearly he did a short film. And it was a toxic environment. That's like the James Brown of movie directing. Of just fining the actors. <laughs> if they get a line wrong. Mistake do happen. But after the first take, dot, dot, dot. There's no second chances. <laughs> There's, blooper reels are weird. I can't help clicking on them. But they make me feel dirty. I don't know what it is. Like the first time I ever saw one... In the olden times, Tash, let me mm. tell you, when you would watch It'll Be All Right on the Night, and I've mm. spoken about this before on the podcast, I think, mm. it was a electric. thrill that was beyond electric. It was like stepping yeah. into another world, flipping around the, the TV and seeing behind it what the reality of this amazing world was like. The fact that these gods and goddesses would get things wrong mm. was mm. just so extraordinary and mm. hilarious and fun. But then I think the first time I saw a sitcom that had its own blooper reel at the end, I thought, no, we don't really need blooper reels anymore. I don't know. I'm mixed because it was the same for me. You know, when you'd watch something that you absolutely loved or there were those films that would sometimes in the in the credits at the end, you'd see some bloopery stuff and you were like, (laughs) I'm one of them. I'm one of you. (laughs) I'm friends with you now because I've seen this. So it was electric in that way. Yeah. But... I think I know what you mean about the feeling sick thing because maybe once you've become part of the industry, you realise there are some people that fake it. Oh, really? <laughs> or, well, I thought that's what you were referring no, to. No, no, di- that didn't even cross my mind. I was well, just sometimes thinking... sometimes it's just... I was just thinking, my problem is like, A, I do think it's slightly, even though I love them, sort of, A, I think it slightly erodes the thing. Also, I think it's become a little smug. Yeah, obviously. It's because of blooper reels have become a real thing that I definitely know there are people who I've acted with who are like come on it's milk <laughs> just thinking like blooper reel blooper reel like this is all like people who go like that'd be great for the blooper no seriously can we get uh can we sort of put star that in the edit or something because that'd be fantastic for the blooper reel <laughs> and you're like lord above give me strength so I totally yeah. it, it's definitely become smug but in the thing of people do it on purpose like I guess it really broke my heart when I would, like, I don't know, when I'd go to the theatre or not that i go to the theatre much. You go more than I do. Well, I went, and, and I think I went to see a play that I really liked or with a friend or something twice. And in the first night I'd been like, oh, really? <laughs> the thing went wrong, brilliant. And then the next night the exact thing went wrong at the exact same time. And I was like, play What Goes Wrong. Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> The play was, they've just gone wrong. Oh, the tight No. But, you know, you're like, oh, oh, no. I've been lied to. Oh, they Every- did the same blooper. Yeah, they, like, they, they're like, you know, we all, all doing live comedy. You know, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are certain com- sets that where you go, oh, <laughs> 
tripped up on his line. And then you go and see it again. You're like, oh, everything's a lie. Well, the thing is that I think the way it might happen is that you you do a genuine blooper, you fluff something, you get a big laugh from the audience, and then you think, oh, well, there is something in there that is repeatable mm-hmm. and that is better than what I had before. Mm-hmm. And usually what happens is if you try and recreate a spontaneous moment, it, it never works and you abandon it. But sometimes you can be led through to a, a nice little thing that does work. Or the other thing that happens is you always trip up on the same thing. So the same blooper can happen just because there's something built into oh, for sure. the way you've written it. Something that makes you laugh over and over it again. Makes you yeah. laugh. Or I had a bit when I was touring around reading from my book, there was one bit that always triggered me and made me weep. <laughs> But that's, that is the beauty of the blooper. Yeah. Like, that is when it's really funny and people... Like, so I remember watching The Office extras on the DVD, the bloopers, like, over and over again. Because you're, you're like, this is legit. Like, literally, he is coming out with some of the funniest off-the-cuff things. What would you do other than laugh? Like, it would be such a struggle. But, yeah, it's it's like, if anything gets really big, it somehow gets corrupted and that's what's happened to the blooper reel. The bloopers. Yes. Um, also, the other thing in my limited experience of acting is that when you are genuinely fucking up a line, it's mortifyingly embarrassing. Well, that's like people... This is really awful because I've, I've said it so many times in interviews, but people will often, you know, because I've done some comedy TV, people are like, it must be such a laugh on set. And I'm always like, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. But the truth is it's not. It's deadly serious. You have, you're hungry. It's cold. Everyone wants to go home. Everyone wants to go home. It's late at night. Or, you know, it's like we've got 15 minutes to get this entire scene. And so quite often it's so deadly serious. It's like the antithesis of Giggly Town. And that's not to say that it doesn't happen, but it's not... I, I think it's because there are some actors that I work with who do are a lot more joyful than I am and are like laughing all over the place but I am quite worried about fucking it up or like stepping on someone else's line or not getting it right or something so like they did some bloopers for Stathlet's Flats and I was mortified because you go through all of them and it's like oh look at the most boring person in the cast (laughs) (laughs) like everyone's laughing everyone's making mistakes and like having a great time and I'm there with like a dead face like are we going again (laughs) (laughs) sorry can we just do that again it's so embarrassing because everyone's so and like, because we're all like friends, that show is like, it should, but it's like, why are you so miserable? You've got a denim cap on and square tracksuit bottoms. Laugh, you miserable idiot. <laughs> but then, then there are times though, when you do get the giggles and it's yes, like, it's, heaven. it's like being on heroin, but then you can't stop. And then you get to the place where the camera people are going like, <sighs> okay. No, there's definitely that. And also I do think, you know, the smugness comes to the fact that if it's the actors that are all having a laugh, you're like, you're all getting paid so much money. Do your job. Yes. So it's like, is it like everyone, there's someone holding a really heavy camera and someone else hasn't slept. Do your job. Yeah. And you're like that. <laughs> I said the wrong word. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so have we tied up all the loose ends in this section. Um, mushrooms. <laughs> you don't like them and you don't want to become one. God, no. Please, uh, you, no. Uh, I'd hate that. Also, you don't want to do psychedelics. Um, mm. If you ever do, if you ever change your mind, maybe you and I could 
go and do we a, should do one and do that's a podcast a TV show isn't it i mean that is a podcast at the very least that is a tv show come on someone out there just silence and dribbling <laughs> if you want to pay me and tash to go out to peru or whatever and do ayahuasca under very strictly managed medical conditions on bbc2 so that we don't lose our minds forever i got asked to do the i i don't get asked to do sadly i thought at this point in my career i'd be like you know, I'd be like batting away the offers. But on the whole, I've been asked to do two shows repeatedly. One, I can't do because I don't have a driving license, which is Celebrity Most Dangerous Roads. <laughs> I didn't even know. That which existed. is just a couple of celebrities go to some really dangerous roads and drive down them and shit themselves, which I'd love to do, obviously, if I had a license. But sadly, I don't. And the other one is Celebrity Hunted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you... I just was like looking at it and there was a guy that did it and did it so well that, and I feel like I might be making this up, but I don't think I am. He was so good. He like, he was gone for about two months. So explain the premise for people who haven't seen it. Celebrity, I th- well, Hunted is a show where they get like sort of FBI, CIA, MF, MFI, I, I don't know. Where, MF it, Doom. M- yeah, exactly. Um, experts and some people who are up for trying to hide. Mm. And like go off the radar and, and like so I guess like and there's a kind of control center where they're tracking the people. Well, who they have hunting they have all and... the technology that they would use to, to to try and catch a fugitive. Yeah, a real fugitive. So if so, you're basically taking on the the character of um, a very dangerous criminal. Yeah, and the and the challenge is who lasts the longest without, without being, being caught. caught. But a hundred percent, like I think it was like me and Ellie to do it. This is what would happen. We'd freak out, go to Angels, buy clown wigs, pay with our card. Then I go to say, "Can I get some mango fingers from Marks and Spencer's?" Done. Seven minutes. We're on the floor with our hands behind our backs in clown wigs. <laughs> mango fingers. <laughs> I just want a healthy snack quickly. And I, I got asked to do Hunted as well, but I. The problem with the show is that obviously you don't know how long it's going to take. If you turn out to be really good. Well, that's what I'm saying. You have to kind of be free for up to sort of a year. Because <laughs> if you are really good, they, I swear there was a guy that like went deep, went, went low in Scotland mm. and they, and he used like canals. Uh-huh. Maybe when I'm retired and my entire family have abandoned me, I would be like, oh, why not? Go yeah. and see how well I can hide. Become a mushroom. The other thing about, uh, presumably some of your friends have done the ayahuasca retreats. Yes. I don't know. I don't, there was a costume and a lovely costume lady who I worked with who was a shaman oh, yeah. and was constantly like, I'll introduce you to her. And I always be like, oh, sorry, who? And it was like, oh, ayahuasca, sorry. Yes, yes, ayahuasca. <laughs> oh, she called ayahuasca her. her and, um, and she was... What, just like on a break or something? <laughs> well, well, like, yeah, like, let's, when we finish filming, let's have an afternoon where... I don't know if you can microdose ayahuasca. I think it's all or nothing, isn't oh, it? Oh, no, no, it's not microdosing. It's, it's do you want to... Full she. Do you want to do her? Yeah. Do you want to fuck ayahuasca? <laughs> and apparently that's what you do. You have to make love to it. Yes. Well, I've got a couple of friends who've tried it. Simon Amstel was on this podcast a few years ago, in fact, extolling the virtues of... Everyone pukes, though. I think that's part of it. That's the thing. Is like nothing about it seems fun. Puking, you know, feeling sick to your stomach, confronting your worst fears. But maybe fears. it's because we're just small-minded no, little Puritan... No. Of- bigots well i i worry that that is part of it just say little like no i'm just like some uh, double espresso it's fine for me yes i don't like cheese i don't like mushrooms and i don't like psychedelic experiences that brought i'm my high on life shut up go and take some ayahuasca and fucking live a little yeah well you know if we, if we get an offer 
Come on. That could be that could be good. See, Oi. no, I think we'd end up doing the sort of like sort of quite safe, like um a little nibble. No, like um you know, like a sort of it would be like ITV <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Me and you, Sue sponsored Perkins. by sponsored by McDonald's. Sue Perkins is our shaman. Yeah, and uh, on the way we sort of do some cultural stuff in Peru. <laughs> we do the Inca Trail. Um, do you like apocalypse uh, TV shows, movies, fiction? I'd be interested to see what you make of Station Eleven. I like it. Mm, well, I like it if it's like if it's if it's fantastic. Fan- if like, it's not too realistic. Yes, exactly. I don't like it when it's like really, like I found Interstellar really, really troubling uh-huh. because it started out with like the world had just like nothing crazy had happened. Just the air got a little bit more toxic and it's like, oh, well, in my They're worst nightmare. Dust storms and all that. That's yeah. how, that would just be a hellscape to live through. So yeah. if we're talking about like mad rats take over, I'm like, come on, give it to me. Yes, yes. Zombies. Cut, cut to us in two years being like. Mushroom people for that matter. Exactly. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. Well, maybe you won't like Station Eleven then because it's quite, uh, yes, it was, uh, I think I said already, didn't I? It was, the book came out in 2014 and it was all about a flu pandemic that wipes out most of the population well that was like that film there was it called contagion or am i yeah. making that up that yeah. everyone that went to like the top of netflix because it was weirdly about a flu panic that came that's from like asia right that's right and that was the one and spoilers uh that everyone dies in that one and um <laughs> there's a lot of stunt casting in that one i think uh What's her name? Kate Winslet is in that one as a lovable doctor, brave doctor. And halfway through, say so yeah. And it's quite a shock, you think. No, not lovely Kate. Yeah, no, it, they really, they're, 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 it wasn't touch wood. It wasn't like I was watching it thinking, oh my God, this is what we're going to be living through. But it was very much with that one. It was like, you'd sneeze, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't. No, that's, that's like Station Eleven. Yeah, right. it's like 99% fatal flu to me, pandemic. It's the, um, in The Last of Us, it's when that, I think it's, she's like an Asian doctor and she gets like sequestered and she's like, what's going on? Why am I here? Mm. And they bring her in to see that body in the room and it's full of, it's it's a fungus body, but just her like face of like, yes. there's nothing. All you can do is drop a nuclear bomb on the uh, town. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> oh dear, I don't, I don't like it. I mean, my thing is that I'm, I feel like if you are getting a whole generation into the, these kind of apocalyptic narratives, that's got to do something to your general will to I'm live. I'm telling you, we get, there will be people laughing as fungus and trying to put their fungus on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that sounds fun, though. <laughs> okay, in the next few years, The Last of Us is going to spawn a load of people who are, like, cosplaying as fungus. And <laughs> that is when I walk into the sea. <laughs> cosplaying as fungus is Yeah, great. Comic-Con this year, because that show's been so huge. Comic-Con this year is just going to be just a giant... From, from a sort of bird's-eye view of it, it's just going to be a big big plate of mushroom risotto <laughs> queuing up for autographs <laughs> will you go to comic-con i don't know actually we went 
we did go for one year for shadows and then um the oh, the sure. old the old pandemic happened and so we did it all on zoom i feel like the guys went this year but i couldn't because i was looking after my father oh. um so yeah we might go this year there's been no talk of it though but i don't know i don't want to speak on behalf of the fx network yeah <laughs> Are you doing more what we do in the shadows? Yes, we're doing series six is definitely happening. Oh my God, you've done a show that's had six series. I know, it's so mad. It's so bizarre, so weird. And it's it's just so weird. I'm obviously blessed. You've had lots of different sort of actors coming in and out of the show, right? Yeah, we have lots of lovely guest stars. Yeah, amazing. Bascastan. <laughs> Bascastan. Bascastan. Oh, best guest star. Oh, well. <laughs> what did you think I was saying? I thought it was a, an actor called Bass Gaster. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't, why, I don't know who that is. This oh, week's God. guest star, Bass Gaster. <laughs> Bass Gaster. I'll be playing the role of Michael this week on Bass Gaster. Um, what are you asking? Oh, oh, who the best one yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, best. Mm. Or one of them. Fun. Obviously, Al Roberts from Stath, even though I didn't have any scenes with yes. him, but just having him in my vicinity. vicinity, vicinity you involve virginity. In my virginity. Obviously, him being in my inside my virginity on set was mm. having a pal from um, the old smoking London was so lush. So he, he by far and away, but that's for personal reasons. Um, I would say Fred Armisen was very funny oh, and nice. Yeah. Because yeah, I have to be, I have to come clean and say I haven't seen all of those six series. What are you talking about? You've not watched, well, there's not been six yet. Actually, five hasn't or come five. out. Or five. So you've not watched 40 episodes of vampire comedy? Not yet. <laughs> hey, you know, um, do you know who I mean by David Sedaris? Yes, of course I do. So there's a bit in his diaries where he is talking about the moment that his father dies and he's talking about how quickly they got over it because <laughs> he didn't get on well with his dad yes i've yes i think i feel like i may have heard this because my brother went to see him yeah and absolutely worships and he said him. five minutes after we heard the news we were talking about our new favorite vampire <laughs> show and i was thinking well what else could that be other than what we and do then in the you shadows? realize he's just discovered buffy the vampire Slayer. it's a compulsion that leads you to explore that leading edge all the time yeah I'm still a, a curiosity seeker, looking at the uh, idiosyncrasies of, of things. A mountain or a tree is the manifestation of forces that we are not capable of dealing with. I'm very drunk in this. How do you feel, though, when people ask about your dad? Is it something that you don't want to talk about, or is it something that is it something that immediately just makes you very unhappy? And It's a weird one, isn't it? Because it is probably the worst thing in my life at yeah. the moment, like a real, real bummer, real downer. And the worse it's getting with him, the wor- the like the darker your brain, like the, the darker the thing. But then I'm also like, it's a thing, you know, Alzheimer's affects so many people and there is so little development and treatment for it, which is wild because there is, you know, it's 2023 guys. But, you know, I guess it is just like a really tough thing to deal with. But there is like, there's, I've read a lot of stuff about how like there's been 
very little in the way of like treatment for it has like advanced over the years um which is frustrating when you're like but I want him to be okay I want to give him a pill and make it better Mm. I mean it's just the saddest thing in the world for me personally but then I I do think that talking about it maybe if it would help someone else who's dealing with it I guess it like my friend I had dinner with him the other night and he told me that he was talking about how his mum has it and um it was like, oh God, like I'm not the only, because I think when bad things happen to you, you sort of go, why me? It's only me. Mm-hmm. Why, why is life so cruel? And then you're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe there's a sense of like sharing the load. If you hear that other people, yeah, you're yeah. like, it makes you feel better in a way. I don't know. So that's why I'm conflicted. It's like, I don't want to talk about it because it becomes so depressing. Mm. It's absolutely miserable. And then I look at my dad, who I just think is the most incredible like anyone does about their parents. Well, most people, if you're lucky enough to think that about your parents, you, you're not really middle of the road. You're not sort of like, yeah. <laughs> it's either you hate them or you're like, you're the best. Mm. And I think I think my, I think it's more that there my the people like my dad who saw the life he had are going away now, and that to me is like, oh god, I'm gonna get sad. Like that to me, you're like you, the perspective you have, the things you saw, even like the way he sees London is that's that's going away and that to me is just like so sad Mm -hmm. and also that he's has a had a very very tricky life and just has always been just made the best of everything and so you're like why did you have to then at the end of it forget everything do you think though does does it worry you that i mean there's so many things that are difficult about it aren't there and there's Mm. so many things that trigger worries for yourself as well watching someone you love go through that Mm. and is that something that you're anxious about as well and for yourself at the end of your own life and of course I mean it just I guess it just is like I look at my dad and I'm like it's it's coming to an end this yeah. thing you've had, this life. Yeah, that's the main thing, isn't it's, it? It's coming to an end and like actually watching that, knowing that there's no hope. There's no like, oh, no, no, but don't worry. And and I think that's just the same with aging, right? It, yeah. It's just the way it is. You, you do, there is a, and I think we are very protected because we are so lucky to be alive at a time of like, even though I was like saying there's not enough innovation with Alzheimer's, but with, you know, we live, we're living longer. We live relatively peaceful comfortable lives you know yeah, well i certainly a have few hundred years ago yeah yeah so com- comparatively that's not to say that there isn't a lot of horrific stuff happening but you know sure. comparatively i think i guess we've become i have anyway in my life detached from death and i don't think i feel like when my dad was growing up like the stories he tells me about his village you know like when people would die they'd be left out and you have to, you pass them every day or like Every day at Why are they leaving them out? For people to pay their respects, like in the middle of the village. And maybe because we live in a city, I don't know what it is, but you don't have that relationship with death. Whereas I feel like back in the day, maybe because people died younger mm-hmm. or especially my dad who grew up in a village with nothing, mm-hmm. you know, it is like stick, stone, fire, life, death, sex, <laughs> you know, like it's like elemental. Yeah, the, 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 the things that are, like, the basics. So that's been really, like, 
wild because everything in my life, all the big dramas have been like relationships and friendships and yeah, like illness, but then getting better. And, and then you're like, oh, there's this one big thing that's been hovering above all of this Mm -hmm. and like work and paying the bills and, and there's a big thing that's like, uh-uh, I don't care about any of that stuff because I'm coming. And that's um, the big D. That, I suppose, is part of the reason for the whole apocalypse culture thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's not just anxiety about climate crises and things like that. It is a generation trying to get their heads around something that has been absent from the culture for quite a long time yeah, and that we have been protected from. Yeah. And so it's like, well, we've got to start preparing for it. I mean, my instinct is always to want to push those things away and of stick my head in the do, sand. Of course you do, because it's... And I'm one of these people that, you know, I love my escapist entertainment. But at some point, as you say... You you have to, uh, to use a Mark Maron word, reckon with it. <laughs> but yeah, I think the thing is, if you don't reckon with it, and that is completely fine because that's what I've, I've, I'm someone who, you know, my parents were a bit older when they had me. I have a very big family on my dad's side and actually on my mum's side. And my godmother died and I was in the hospice with her. So like I faced a lot of death. Right. Which is un- like a lot of my friends, you know, they've been to their grandparents' funeral and that's about it. So I... I have had to have it in my life. It's not like I was completely like, oh, people don't die. But it's it's your dad. It's your dad and it's the, it's the sort of slow departure that is so painful, I suppose. I, yeah, I think it's just, if you don't face it, it will come yeah, yeah, no yeah. matter what. And people always say that, don't they? They're like, you know, life's shit, life's tough, life's hard. And I think it's pretty, it's, it's kind of well, within my friends, kind of common to have quite a nice life for quite a long time. And you don't, maybe you have bumps and knocks, but you're sat with your dad and he's asking you who you are. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's your whole identity as a, you know, and that's like, oh, this is nasty. Mm. <laughs> this is like, and he's like looking at you confused, being like, do I know you? And you're like, mm, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I come from your willy. <laughs> I came from probably you're the weirdest thing that's happened between your legs. I came from that, and he's like, "Really? Oh, and yeah, wild. It's a wild ride." Is he sort of distressed from one moment to the next? It is just miserable. But yes, there are times where he's like all of a sudden quite lucid. Oh, really? What lucid and remembering things? Yeah, and like, and he's like having a bit of a moment. And actually, this is so boring, but his Alzheimer's medication, which is, I think, is helping, I do believe is helping, like, it doesn't stop it, but it's supposed to slow it. Mm. He ran out of it recently. And um, apparently, it like, basically, we were, like, having to, before we got the next prescription, we had to kind of, like, give him a little bit less to try and prolong what we had left. And actually, what turns out is that I looked it up and it makes him really, really tired. So he wasn't taking it. And obviously in that short moment, you're like, it's so hard because he was, I like, had way more energy and was way less tired. So it was, and then with that came a little bit more like knowing what was going on. But then you're like, but we can't just stop or stop it altogether. Cause you know, if we do, what's going to happen? Is it just going to be like, he can't speak anymore or something. But, but no, I, I, I'm like, I'm lucky that 
it's getting worse, which I kind of like thought that it would just, we'd get the diagnosis and then it would be like, oh, dad's a bit forgetful. How old was he when he was diagnosed? That was about three or four years ago now. So like 78, 77 maybe, Mm -hmm. Um, which is like a ripe old age. Mm -hmm. And he's lived a very long life. It's just, it's just so weird Mm. to have someone that you know so well and knows you so well, just forget everything, just forget it, just completely forget. And yeah, it's, But don't you, haven't you been through a process of kind of telling yourself that that's not really him anymore, that, uh, that he's sort of checking out or. Yeah. And that's, what's really sad because it's like you're grieving him and yet he's still alive. You're like, there are so many times, like, especially over Christmas when we were like really together every day, where it's just like me and my brother, just like, just like cooking, but just crying. Mm. (laughs) Just like, or just like, you know, like tidying up, but you're just like just like weeping and he's just sat there like completely in his own world but he is still there he is still alive and every now and then he says something or does something or he still looks the same he still has ridiculously long nails for a (laughs) strong sharp nails um he's still got his clothes on and you you know you don't know do you because you can't ask the question so you can't be and you can't he can't really he finds it really hard to understand often when you ask a really simple question so you're like what if you are in there i can't just you know like dust you off as a corpse like you're still here sat in the room with me mm-hmm. anyway absolute bummer way to end this but it is the truth and in the truth there is joy <laughs> i don't know well, it's good, I suppose, for a couple of people like us who are uh, frightened of going exploring in our own heads to confront a bit of painful reality. Oh, for sure. That's yeah. the thing is like, I, I'm really conflicted about it because I do think like, you know, you've, you're, what you're going through with your par is so painful and like, presumably you're not going watching a lot of films about people with dementia and god stuff. no those there are so many there's loads so many and i'm like stay away demon evil and what, it, what yeah. you want is to be made to forget for a while and to laugh and a hundred percent i just want escape pure escapism that's you just want to when you've had like when i've spent the day with him it's been really hard i just want to go home and like what did i watch the other day just loads and loads of keeping up appearances mm-hmm the like old BBC sitcom of who was just it's just the Patricia Routledge is giving the performance of her lifetime it's absolutely just keeps fall, just like a, a woman just falling over hedges was Hyacinth Bouquet Hyacinth Bouquet the Bouquet residence lady of the house speaking unbelievable comedy but yeah yeah definitely that definitely escapism you know and you just like really love someone and you just want them I just think he's great and you just want him to you're just like oh don't go I'm having such a nice time with you. <laughs> sorry, Tash. Oh, I'm really sorry. Yeah. It's hot as shit. I mean, you've gone, oh God, we're both crying now. <laughs> it's yeah. hard. It's really, it's really, oh, I'm so sorry. I made everyone cry. <laughs> I asked you the question. I'm sorry. I'm more sorry than you are. <laughs> You should be. What have you done? We were talking about mushrooms 20 minutes ago. We were laughing and laughing about mushrooms. And then I thought, oh, yeah, ask a really heavy question. 
Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Uh, this is what happened. But, you know, I guess it's like, it's a testament to him that, like, yeah. I, I think he's so great and I love him so much. And I think that, like, what more can you want? I heard something on a podcast recently, actually, about um, what's the meaning of life, or they were, like, pondering the meaning of life or something, and they were like, what is our purpose? What is the meaning of it? And then I think it was, like, just walk around a grave, like, walk around a graveyard, and it's, like, see what's written on the graveyards, and it's all, like, mother, teacher, artist, father, uncle, sister, brother, friend, and you're, like, like, that is what my dad was. He was just, like, he is just, like, the best dad in the world. (laughs) Sorry. So it's like, you did it, <laughs> you know, like, and I want, I don't know, there's, I just listened to that and was like, yeah, that's like, that is what my dad did. He was like a friend and a dad and a brilliant brother. And like, he meant so much to all the people. He did all the jobs. <laughs> he did all the things. Mm. Oh God, this is so embarrassing. Oh man. Yeah. God almighty. Wow. Here we well, go. Yeah. I, I told you this would be fun. <laughs> Come on, you have to face it. You can't have you can't have the laughter's good because the crying's bad, right? Something in that. Well, we were talking before about comedy and why why some people feel obliged to do certain kinds of more hard hitting, superficially hard hitting comedy, yeah. and maybe get themselves in trouble exploring certain controversial areas and topics. And I was saying that I think part of the reason is that. Nowadays, when there are so many things going on in the world, so many uh, social revolutions happening that need Mm. to happen, I think a lot of comedians feel like, what the shit am I doing? How am I helping anything doing my stupid clowning around? Well, I think it's the same with like award ceremonies, isn't it? It's like, you know, you have this thing of like, that's why you have so many actors going up, pledging pledging their allegiance to something or doing it because it's Yeah, because like... they feel like they're doing a stupid, pointless job <laughs> that no one gives a fuck about, really. But of course they do, and it's important. And that, you know, yeah. that's what, to go back to Station Eleven, I think that's what Station Eleven is about a little bit. And and I think my wife finds it slightly insufferable because it's basically about a troop of actors. And the whole wow. philosophy of the thing is the show must go on. Right, right. right and right. that this is all we have is is to cheer each other but i always think the show must go on is like a real basic bitch but like thing of like it's replicated in life like that's how i feel about my dad it's like yeah it's like well what do i do when he goes home do i just literally go and put my head in a bin and pour boiling hot water over my head just to try and forget how miserable that was you shouldn't do that (laughs) or do i you know you're just like oh no i'll just warm up some soup And turn on highs and bouquet, and then and we go and we move, as Ellie always says, we move. The moral of my story is actors are incredibly important, <laughs> and they deserve more money. And they deserve more money and more praise <laughs> and more acclaim and more nice dresses. And if there's one group of performers that are even more important than actors, it's comedians, the clowns, the, the clowns, clowns. The clowns. To send in the clowns for God's sake, send in the clowns, send in the clowns to this podcast because I have made it miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm really sorry i feel like i've totally traumatized you no god but like this is what i mean about like you have to live in reality like i can't that's what we're talking about right like you know like burying your head in the sand it's like it doesn't you can your head can be in the sand but people are still gonna be doing smelly booze in the toilet <laughs> <laughs> you can't smell them because your nose is full of sand but let me tell you they stink 
This is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area and spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. Continue. Hey, welcome back, podcats. That was Tash Dimitriou there. And a reminder that there is a link for the Dementia UK charity in the description of today's podcasts. They have a free helpline that is staffed by their dementia specialist, Admiral Nurses, who can provide practical and emotional support with any aspect of dementia. There's a number in the description, or you can visit DementiaUK.org. And Tash was understandably gloomy about the pace of advances in Alzheimer's research. But just this morning, as I record this, there was a story in the news about scientists in the UK and Belgium making valuable new discoveries about how Alzheimer's affects the brain. And also to, you know, try and be optimistic as well, I would say that The flip side of some of the alarming stories recently about how powerful AI is becoming is that you've got to hope AI is going to be helping scientists increase the speed of new discoveries and new treatments for dementia. I'm trying to get on side with AI so that we'll be friends when they take over. Now look, Square Pusher Collab. This is not a joke. This is real. We've already had one special appearance from a comedy legend on this episode. Now it's time for a legend of electronic music. Tom Jenkinson, aka Square Pusher. And yeah, we did do a little collab earlier this year. Plopped out a collab. And it was based around a little section of a song that I did about wearing shorts. It's called Shorts. If you came and saw me on my book tour in 2021, I used to sing it at the beginning of shows. And Square Pusher mashed up my vocal from Shorts with a tweaked version of one of his old tracks. And he made it available for download on Bandcamp a month or two ago as part of an effort to raise funds for a not-for-profit music venue in Chelmsford called Hot Box that has been struggling since the COVID lockdowns. And... Actually, that Bandcamp link is no longer up. But if you promise to click on the link in the description to the crowdfunder page for Hotbox and make a donation, 
then I will play you the square pusher mix of shorts right now. If you're unable to make a donation, obviously that's fine, but please do not hear shorts when I play it now. Oh, I'm wearing shorts. I wear them when the weather's warmer. And for sports, I like to feel the breeze on my shins and knees. Shorts. 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 Not everybody likes my shorts. Not everybody wants to see my middle-aged man legs. Shorts. You're not a schoolboy now. It's time you got yourself a pair of long trousers. Shorts. That is an actual kind of collaboration between myself and Tom Jenkinson, aka Square Pusher, in the aid of Hotbox in Chelmsford, one of the many excellent music venues that have been struggling in hard times. So if you're able to help them out with a donation, or just go down there, have a drink, see what's going on at the Hotbox, that would be great of you. There's a link in the description. I'm throwing a lot of info at you this episode because I've been away for so long. So I hope you're not feeling overloaded. I've got a couple more things to mention and then I'm out. This is a plug for another music legend and former podcast guest, Brian Eno. He is doing a couple of rare live performances, very seldom plays live. But he is at the Royal Festival Hall in London on the 30th of October of this year, 2023. And the performance features an orchestral adaptation of his 2016 album, The Ship, with the Baltic Sea Philharmonic. And they are an unusual orchestra in that they play standing up entirely from memory. Two performances of The Ship on the 30th of October, one at 6.30 and one at 9pm. And they will also feature, during one track, vocal contributions from comedian Peter Serafinowicz. Peter was on the original album on one section, and he's going to be there that night. I will not be on stage that night, but I do hope that I will be in the audience, and I hope that I might get to see some of you. Link in the description to the Brian Eno event at the Royal Festival Hall. I am going to be seeing some of you at the Royal Festival Hall later in the year on December the 12th for the live recording of the Christmas podcast with Joe Cornball's Cornish. And that went on sale a couple of months back and sold out quicker than we expected. So I wasn't able to tell you about it on the podcast. I apologize if you would have liked to have gone along but didn't hear about it or couldn't get tickets. You will, of course, still be able to submit made-up jokes, amazing anecdotes, etc. for possible inclusion. There is a link to the events page of my blog in the description today, which will give you details of where to send your submissions for the Christmas podcast. And on that page, there are also details of another live show that I've got coming up in a few weeks. I'll be talking on stage to the comedian and writer Dune McKeechan 
co-creator of Smack the Pony and performer in shows like Brass Eye, The Day to Day, Knowing Me, Knowing You with my pal Alan Partridge, Toast of London. She's going to be talking to me about a book she's written called Lady Parts, about her career in comedy thus far and her experience of being a woman in it. A woman? That's going to be at Mannington Hall near Norwich on Saturday the 7th of October at 4pm. So maybe I'll see you at one of those things. All right, that's a lot of info I hit you with. I apologise. Thanks very much once again to Tash Dimitriou. I'm suddenly very aware of how crunchy this section of track is. I hope that doesn't put you off. (laughs) Is crunchy track a good ASMR thing? I don't know. Thank you as well to Helen Green. She does the artwork for the podcast. I love it. Thanks to Acast for their continued support. Thanks especially to Seamus Murphy Mitchell, as ever, for his ongoing and invaluable production support and conversation editing. But thanks, most of all, to you for coming back, listening right to the end. I appreciate it. I'll be putting out new episodes regularly from now until Christmas, so I hope you can join me for some of those. It's been ages. Let's have an awkward hug, shall we? Come on. Hey. Good to see you. Yeah, I know. I smell a bit. If it's in any way the kind of thing that might cheer you up, I thought you might like to know that I love you. Bye!